It's your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you guys got clear of all the snow that came down on Tuesday. That was a lot. They were right. They were right. We got a lot of the snow. Sometimes the uh, <laughs> the undefined they, the weather predictors, who do a great job of it, uh, the science and technology of that has gotten a lot better, even if there's some competing models. Um, sometimes the overestimates make people say, ah, you know, it's all overblown. No, they, they got, uh, that, that was right. They got a lot of, <laughs> got a lot of snow and, uh, spent a lot of time clearing that out on, uh, on Tuesday. But you know what? That is life in Minnesota, even if it is still just November, the last day of November, as it were. Um, so that's not what we're going to talk about all day today. We're not going to spend 30 to 35 minutes talking about the weather. We're going to talk about sports. Got to get to the Timberwolves here in just a little bit. Chris Hine from the Star Tribune joins me to talk about that team. Timely appearance by Chris, finding out Tuesday the full diagnosis of Carl Anthony Towns, that he'll be out for several weeks with a calf strain. What does that mean for the Wolves, who are already struggling in some areas and trying to figure out their own identity at 10 and 11 now this season after 21 games? Get to a St. Thomas item that interested me. Good column by Lavelle E. Neal III in today's paper and on StarTribune.com. First, though, what did I miss? Let's talk World Cup soccer for a minute because I think mostly we are beyond the conversation of, ah, soccer's boring, I can't get into it. I think there's less and less of that out there, the kind of... You know, the, the, the purely lazy take of, oh, soccer, you know, there's there's no, there's nothing in soccer for me. And if soccer isn't for you, that's fine. You know, not everybody has to like every sport. Not everybody has to, not everything appeals to everybody. There's a, you know, I think there's music that I like that, that I can't get anybody else to like. And that's fine. Like, I, it, you don't have to make someone else like what you like. But um, on the same hand, I think there's been a lot of over the years resistance to even trying soccer. And I think we're past that now. People have decided whether they like it or not. They're not wholly, you know, just saying, ah, soccer, no, 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 not for me. I'm not even going to try it. Um, it. It's taking over the United States, things like that. It's uh, that that I think we're beyond. What I do want to say is if even if you aren't into soccer in 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 the purest sense, if you like other sports better, um, which I do, I'm, I'm I'm I like soccer, but there's there's definitely other sports that I follow way more closely than soccer. But I can appreciate a good soccer match. That World Cup match between the U.S. and Iran on Tuesday was uh, was pure drama. In fact, this whole qualifying round for um, this this whole you know this whole group play for the for the U.S. has been a, a test of nerves. You know the the England game maybe not as much because there wasn't quite as much at stake. I guess if they could have won that game, it would have put them in a much better position. But even a loss in that game was going to set up pretty much the same scenario on Tuesday, which was win or go home uh, by virtue of their draw against Wales in the opener. And um, by virtue of Iran beating Wales, this was a winner-take-all game. Uh, U.S. wins, they get through. If Iran manages at least a tie, they get through. And so for that reason, um, th- there, was, there was a ton of drama in this game. The U.S. takes a one nothing lead 
late in the first half. Christian Pulisic, uh, a great goal, sacrifices his body, ends up having to leave after halftime, um, took a shot to the midsection, um, looked uh, looked pretty... Uh, Looked like something I would not have wanted to have happen to me. Let's put it that way. But uh, he he stayed in the match, uh, at least after it happened, but it left at halftime. The U.S. ends up scrambling for a lot of the second half, playing in a pretty defensive posture. Kind of felt like the end of that Wales game where they conceded the tying goal late. But against Iran, they're holding on, holding on, bringing on defensive reinforcements. And I guess the bigger point I want to make is this. It, it reinforced the nature of sports and psychology all at once in that when you are watching a team that you are rooting for trying to hold a lead, it is far more nerve-wracking in my experience than when you're watching a team trying to retake or take a lead or, or draw even in something. You know, if you're watching a wild game and they're down 3-2 and they're pressing to try to score a goal, that, you know, you're... you're you you want them to score a goal. You're 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 watching them, and you're, you're you, it is some pressure. You know, not not pressure on you, but you 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 sense that pressure. You feel the pressure. It is much greater when you're watching a team trying to defend a one goal lead, um, just because it's the nature of psychology, right? We we seek things. Um, we seek to avoid pain far more than we seek to avoid immediate pleasure, um, and so. When you're watching a team trying to defend, trying to hold on to something, and you can imagine losing that, and in this case, you know, one goal making the difference between, you know, a draw which sends you home or a, a win that sends you through, that becomes extremely nerve-wracking. So the second half of that match um, against Iran was just completely bonkers. It was exhausting to watch, even if you didn't have a huge stake in that game, you know the you know the Olympics, the World Cup. If you get into them, it's largely because you are rooting for the country where you are. You know your country. You're, you're rooting for the United States by and large. If you know if you live here, and that you know that adds an element to it. But the the holding on to a lead that was such a such a moment of just a 45 minutes of sheer agony watching that game. Until that final whistle blew, and the nine minutes of stoppage time at the end of that game, the you know Iran coming close on a couple plays, uh, trying to get the trying to get a penalty that would get them, um, trying to get them to to draw level. Um, I thought the officiating was really good. I thought I thought they did a good job of not you know giving into in not giving into that, but so much drama in that game. The U.S. does get through almost this huge exhale when that game is over. The U.S. gets through to play. The Netherlands on Saturday in the round of 16, but it just it was it was in such contrast to the exhilaration of 2010 when Landon Donovan scored the goal against Algeria to send them through to the round of 16, a late goal. That was exhilaration, right? You were you know if you're watching that game, there was plenty of drama in that game, but going ahead at the end feels like this great moment of you know ecstasy in some cases if if you are a huge soccer fan. Holding on to a one nothing lead, a completely different feeling, even if the outcome is the same. But larger point being, the U.S. does get through a really smart, really good group play for the U.S. I think they got three matches that they that will really benefit them going forward. And anybody who roots for this team can now have a few days at least to regroup because that was an emotional ringer that you went through on Tuesday afternoon. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. 
With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. So the Timberwolves announced on Tuesday as well that uh, Carl Anthony Towns will be out several weeks. That was their term. He'll be reevaluated at that point. A calf strain that forced him out of Monday's game, um, lost in Washington. Um, so he he's going to miss a lot of time. I mean, what it, whatever the timetable ends up being, let's let's just say it's somewhere in the four to six week range, as as our Chris Hine reported, and I'll talk to him about that in a little bit. Um, if it's somewhere in there, you know, that's a good, you know, 15, 20 games, depending on how fast he might come back, kind of about the same length of time that they've already played this season. So plenty to uh, plenty to ponder there. And so I wanted to pick Chris's brain on some of the bigger picture stuff with this team, but also the impact of that injury and what that means for them going forward. So let's bring in Chris Hine right now, Timberwolves beat writer for the Star Tribune. We'll talk a few things, Carl Anthony Towns, but I also want to talk, Chris, just kind of big picture, because even before Towns went down um, Monday night, the Wolves were getting run for the second consecutive game, ended up being their third straight loss after a five-game winning streak. So they're now on the negative side of 500 again, and you know the, the familiar questions resurfacing about consistency of performance, consistency of effort, and then just the defensive lapses we've seen without Jaden McDaniels and some other key pieces in the lineup these last couple games. What do you what do you make what did you make of first the five game winning streak and then what you've seen since then? Is it kind of par for the course for this year's team and even a year ago's team when they just didn't seem to get any sense of consistency at a certain point? Yeah, that's that's kind of it. You know, it's it's I think in some ways this is who this group is. They're inconsistent, uh sometimes, you know, maddlingly so for the for the fan base. Um you know, I think the five game win streak they they really benefited from opponents being shorthanded, uh, especially in the early part of that win streak. Um they faced an Indiana team that wasn't really that shorthanded and they had their best performance of the season against them last Wednesday. So you go into that Friday game against Charlotte thinking, all right, just roll that performance over. You have another team that's shorthanded without a lot of key contributors. If you, if you even give a a, a C plus effort Friday in Charlotte, you win that game probably, but the second half was just a disaster. Um, And you know, it's, it's hard to, say who this team really is um, based on the last couple of weeks. It, it, it seems like they're more of the team that was here in the beginning of the season instead of a team that was trending in the right direction. And that was just confirmed really with these last two nights. Now they have been hit with the injury bug. I mean, outside of, of Carl going out uh, Monday night, you have Torian Prince, Jordan McLaughlin, Jaden McDaniels, who have all missed at least two of these last three games here. Those are three significant pieces uh, that we're seeing heavy minutes that were, that have been out. So, you know, Jaden McDaniels, I don't think it's a surprise that perimeter defense and ball containment has suffered these last two games without your best perimeter defender in the lineup. 
Um, that's, you know, it, it seems like an easy correlation there. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin, we've seen, especially in that Charlotte game, we saw instances of the offense kind of going stale again and stagnant. And Jordan McLaughlin helps inject that life into into the offense, especially at moments when it may be sagging. So, you know, they've, they've, they have now been hit with some unfortunate injuries and, you know, they haven't really been able to overcome them yet. Now, McDaniels is a big piece. I wanted to talk about that because you're right. They Those two games he missed, but they gave up 137 to Golden State and over 140 to Washington. It is a little telling, though, that you take one piece out of that. And granted, he's got a lot of defensive skills, just length and, and lateral quickness and ability to switch and, and you know, get out on the three-point shooters, stuff like that. He does a lot on defense, but it is a little telling that when he goes out, and I guess, you know, in tandem with Tory and Prince are already being out too, which kind of takes two similarly similarly bodied people, even if their games are a little different, takes them both out of the mix, but um, that they don't have someone else who can step up and at least adequately fill that role, and whether that's unable or unwilling. You know, someone like Anthony Edwards could have been more of a defensive presence in those games, and he he just simply was not. So it is a little telling that they when even when if they have you know significant but you know, Carl notwithstanding, and we'll get into that in a minute, you know, be- before he went out, the injuries were to players who were important but are not part of their, you know, core three or four star highly paid or, you know, first, you know, number one overall pick like Anthony Edwards type players. They're, they're more of the supporting cast than they are the uh, than they are the stars that have been out. Right, right. Um, that's to say, you know, I'm not sure how well this team is able to withstand even that sort of jolt to its right. rotation, you know, or they're just not in that comfortable place yet because we've seen the starting group have its ups and downs throughout the course of the season here. Um, so I just am not sure that this, this team, the, the progress isn't, you know, linear in the, in the NBA a lot of times it's, it's more like a, a an up and down kind of chart um a heart rate chart or something like that yeah it's it's you know it's peaks and valleys and they they go from having their highest peak of the season uh five game win streak best performance of the season to a three game stretch that rivals some of those really ugly games in the first two or so weeks of the season um and one of the things that came out of the locker room and i hope to write about it uh over the course of the next few days here is I, I still think this team is searching for leadership and yeah. trying to figure out who those voices are. And it, it, there's a lot of different voices in, in the locker room and people that, that speak up. Um, and so I hope to write a little bit about that. Uh, Chris Finch pointed to, to Ant as trying to emerge as more of a leader. People like Rudy, Kyle Anderson, uh, Austin Rivers, Torian Prince has been that for them. So it's it's also a team that is finding its, itself on the court, but also it, it kind of behind the scenes with with who is is leading this team moving forward. Yeah, I think that's been evident on the court, especially when they get into these ruts where what Golden State had like a what, twenty-five to two run or something like that. They just it, the leadership. I mean, that's leadership right there. Being able to stop a run like that to regroup to not let a you know an eight to two run 
spiral into something much bigger. And that's where those last couple games have been, you know, to a certain degree, won and lost, right? Like Golden State and Washington both put up huge, you know, stretches in the first half. And at that point, you've got such a hill to climb, it's hard to get back up. And I think that that's that seems to be wearing on Finch a little bit, just that inconsistency or not being able to stop that. Although I thought it was interesting. He his post game Monday, I listened to some of it and he did reference, you know, playing you know, some of their best games, including the Indiana game, that five game win streak, and then feeling like, you know, they might feel like they're not, you know, millions of miles away from that now. But he seemed to indicate he he doesn't think it's that great of a distance. It, it's more of a matter of cleaning up things like turnovers and transition defense. I'm not sure I quite see it that way, but I'm curious how how you saw it and that one, what you thought of that answer. Yeah, I, I kind of like something he said in his pregame. Uh, availability which was it seems like they are they have their fingers in the dike and you know they yeah. plug one hole and then something else reemerges and it could be something that they thought was fixed sure you know what like like transition defense or perimeter ball contained defense it's those things tend to lag i guess at different times it's not it's never really truly fixed so I think that's I think that's where they're at. It's just it's these old old problems or problems that were there earlier in the season are suddenly cropping back up for whatever reason. Whether it is some of these guys that are missing um, or just you know general lack of attention to detail. Um, so I think that's that's where they're at. It's not like, it's not like new problems are being created. It's it's old problems that that they can't seem to permanently fix. I think the one of the frustrating pieces too is that, you know, at the beginning of the year, and I don't know if they put a number on it, but I think a lot of us put a reasonable number on it. Like, hey, give this 20 games. Let's see what this looks like after 20 games. And, and after 20 games, they were 10 and 10, and then they got, you know, blown out by Washington. So now they're 10 and 11. And aside from the results, it doesn't feel like they're much closer to figuring it out than they were when they were zero and zero, and you would at least like to see some evidence of at least more consistent evidence of, of figuring some of that out. That, that piece of it to me maybe is the more concerning than just the flat out record. Yeah. They, it's just so up and down. (laughs) That's the the big thing. And now we're going to see like, how is this going to look potentially without Carl for, for a significant amount of time. And, you know, however, that looks when he's out it's it's going to just detract from the ability of this starting unit to develop and find its footing when you're missing one of the key players from it so even if they kind of manage to get through whatever stretch of time here without carl it's when he comes back to the lineup it's still going to be like all right well how does this thing look how does this thing work where do where does this group now pick up and you know you just have to hit pause on that while while Carl recovers and that's an interesting conundrum i mean that's a good transition point to talk about you know what life without towns might look like for like you said however long this is they've kind of got two options one of them is you know play naz reed more and naz has had some good stretches he's a very gifted offensive player and he's kind of, you know, like Carl Light to a certain degree, a really good, versatile offensive game, shoots the three pretty well, 
has some, you know, defensive deficiencies, not, not, not the rim protector. I would say that, that even Carl is, but more of a similar player to cat and could kind of give them a similar look if they want to keep progressing along that path. Even if cat wasn't getting those reps, the offense, the first unit kind of getting similar reps that they might get with cat. The other option is a lot more Kyle Anderson. And that feels like the option that's probably more suited to pair with Gobert as a, as a more, you know, a natural fit. If you're just, if you're trying to win games, that feels like a better, frankly, a better solution. Uh, if he, if he can stay healthy, I know he's had some problems with uh, staying healthy already this season as well, but uh, what do you think about uh, about that conundrum and, and how, Anderson versus Reed fits alongside uh, alongside Rudy. Yeah, I think those are those are the two logical choices to look at. Uh, I tend to think it's, it would be Kyle Anderson. You know, we'll see kind of what Jaden McDaniel's status is going forward. But if the big problem right now is defense, I tend to think that you got you probably have to go with Kyle Anderson at the four. Um, he kind of s- slots in naturally at the four. Um, and you can kind of figure out the offense around that. Um, Nas will give you a little more, I think, offensive bang for your buck um, if if you're struggling to score. But, you know, defensively, that could maybe cause some issues. But if McDaniels is back, maybe you can get away with playing Nas there at the fort. You know, there's a lot of possibilities of mixing and matching it, and I assume that throughout the course of the game, you're going to see both Nas Reed and Kyle Anderson playing alongside Rudy, most likely. Whether one whether one starts or the other one, it's probably going to happen. Now, I don't necessarily think this is going to be the case, but what if this looks? I'm going to say better, but what if what if the flow is better when it is Kyle Anderson and Rudy? Assume again, this is assuming that there's a at least a significant sample well, size I'm, that we can see. I mean, what, like, what, what I, if that happens? You, I'm expecting you to then write uh, a Carl Anthony Towns trade column is what I'm expecting. I mean, uh, you know, trade. I've, <laughs> I've already, you know, right before he got hurt, it's probably, it's not, it's not good that he got hurt. I, you know, I, I never would say that, but I was concocting this, like this, these wild conspiracy theories in my head because this has looked so ragged. Like, did they trade for Gobert knowing that they're going to have to trade Cat at some point? That this just never was going to work, but that was the opportunity to get Gobert. Like I, I would never like those are not rational thoughts. Those are thoughts you think as you watch this team struggle. I don't think that's true. My, I am wondering though, like what if this does look better? Um, not you're not going to. It's not going to look better in a sense of like Cat's not on the floor. That's one of your best players. But what if the flow looks better with a, with a more traditional four or five setup than having two true centers playing next to each other. That that's going to present some conundrums going forward. I would imagine if, if that did happen. Yeah, it, it could. Um, but also maybe it gives you a lineup or a group that you can turn to even when cat comes back that when cat is not playing, you know, and is resting, maybe you find a combination or a kind of a group of guys. It's like, Hey, this five man unit can work pretty well together. Let's, let's trot that out there for, for nine, 10 minutes a night. So, you know, you, you can still come up with that, but I don't like, look, the ceiling of this team is what it is with Carl Anthony Towns. And yes. they have to figure out where that ceiling is. And it's that, that's that specific group of five people that starting lineup is, is their ceiling. And it, you know, for better or worse, they have to try and make that group work. 
They haven't been shooting the ball particularly well from deep this season. And Cat, you know, again, before the injury was uh, on that list, he's shooting kind of in the low to mid 30s. And that's generally, um, you know, he's usually, you know, up around 40 percent. Is he did he have an answer for what, what where his shot has been? Has it been feeling good? Has he is there something just in general why this team is, is you know, being outpaced so badly on, on three pointers this year? Yeah, he said, you know, Friday when I asked him about it that, you know, he took 11 threes in that game, only made one of them. He said they all pretty much felt good to him. He thought, you know, a lot of them were going in. It was just, they just weren't. Um, and then Sunday I saw that, you know, he's keeping his confidence up and, and you know, took solace from Steph Curry struggling to start last season and then turning it around. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I, he doesn't have a lack of confidence when it comes to that. So he's going to keep putting them up there. The vo- my question will be the volume with which he puts them up there is is that going to change? Because you know the Wolves, it's been a thing with him over the years. Like Cat should take more threes because he's such a good three point shooter. Well, he's having a rough start to the year. Does he pull back a little bit on the number of attempts now because he's not hitting them at such a high rate? That's what I'm curious to see moving forward once he's healthy again and i did worry about this a little bit being an issue just with him moving to the four that he was going to have guys guarding him on the perimeter more that were a little bit more adept at guarding the three when he was drawing centers out he probably had a much better three-point shooting matchup didn't he yeah yeah he would i mean you see it all the time with with carl when, when a team uses their center and their center alone to guard him, he usually is very successful. Um, When he has power forwards and double teams coming his way, that's when he runs into a little bit of trouble. Um, That's what Utah, that they called it the Utah defense because that's what Utah did. They wouldn't put Gobert on him last year. They would put other people on him and double him um, and use Gobert off, off of towns. So, yeah, he, he, he has the ability to just cook any opposing center that's guarding him. Um, and, you know, they have to back off him because they're so afraid of his driving ability that he usually has some space to put up a three. But with the fours, they can get up a little more on him because they have the quickness maybe to keep up with him on the drive. And, you know, they're paying more attention to him, um, you know, sending more people his way as well on, on doubles. I feel like Memphis did that to a certain degree last year in the playoff series as well. He kind of, you know, Towns kind of played Stephen Adams off the court at a certain point because Adams just couldn't come out and guard him or wasn't quick enough to to guard him in in other places. And Memphis was throwing a lot of different bodies on him with with some success. Maybe that's a good segue for the here and now. They play Memphis Wednesday night. Um, I'm sure there'll be some. You know some some old uh, old uh, you know thoughts creeping back in the the thought of of that playoff series, but uh, you know again, Wolves trying still to to kind of become the the team they want to be, and this is another measuring uh, opportunity. You know, regardless of who's on the court for them. Yeah, and you know Memphis, I think will bring out the best in the in the, in the crowd as well. We'll be interesting to see um, you know kind of what this what this looks like against the top tier a top tier team, they're going to have to figure some things out really quickly here. Um, and then they will, the schedule does offer them a little bit of a break. They have 
uh, a game on, I think, Saturday after they play on Wednesday, and then a, they don't play again until the following Wednesday. So just in terms of the number of games here over the next week, they only play three games. So, you know, they have some time to figure things out, some practice sessions, time for guys to heal um, without missing too many games. So they they will have a little bit of time to to, to do all those things and, and maybe get a little healthier. Well, we'll see how healthy they are and how well they play Wednesday night. Um, Chris Hine, always love having you on Daily Delivery. Go get a little bit of rest, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Mike. Thank you. You know, I brought this up with Chris, but I want to ponder it just a little bit more because I wrote about this on Tuesday. It's still up on StarTribune.com. You know, they're going to get a lot of information out of this period, and it's going to be an interesting um, mix of information, I would imagine, because what if they do play well when Towns is out? Um, It's not necessarily going to be an indictment of Towns, but it could be an indictment of this idea, at least so far, that you can pair a couple of traditional centers, a seven-foot or even one as versatile as Towns, with Rudy Gobert and have success in the modern NBA. If they look better if the offense flows, even if the record isn't you know, that much better without Towns, um, if, they look like, if they look more like the team you want them to be without one of their best players, it is going to raise some questions about the long-term <clears throat> you know, viability of the Towns and Gobert pairing. Even if I think we still have to give that more time, it's going to raise some questions going forward about that. If they don't play well without Towns, which is probably the more likely scenario because he is still one of their best players I think they're built more this year to withstand something like that than they have been in past years but if they don't play well and let's say they they fall further under 500 and they start with Memphis tonight and that is not an easy game by any stretch let's say they let's say they go on a little stretch here where they lose um, you know a, a, a decent number of games and fall further in the playoff race that's going to hurt them just this year right I mean they're gonna, by the time Towns comes back it's going to be the midpoint of the season at least you would think or right around there can they get you know can they sustain any kind of momentum after that to get back into the playoff race if they don't play well without him so we're going to learn a lot in these next 15 20 whatever games um he misses and you know how that information presents itself when he comes back will tell you a lot about the short term you know future of this team and the long term implications as well Let's finish with the cooler. Like I mentioned at the jump, Lavelle E. Neal had an interesting column on St. Thomas. They won the Pioneer League in just their second year of Division One. Now, Pioneer is a non-scholarship Division I um, FCS conference, but uh, be- because of the rules and stipulations when they made the jump from Division Three a couple years ago, they are not eligible for the playoffs. So a team they actually beat during the regular season, Davidson got the bid from the conference to go to the postseason, um, and they still have three more years to wait before they are postseason eligible. Now, that's apparently a, quite a bit less than would normally be part of the process, but it does strike me as interesting that maybe this is a rule used to protect a team along the way, maybe to protect some financial interests as well. I'm sure everything is more money-driven than anything we ever know. But it does strike me as interesting, A, that they're this good already in Division One, even if this is a non-scholarship conference, and B, that they are you know, at least thinking about the idea of does this rule need to be 
revisited should they be postseason eligible a little bit sooner based on how fast they have adapted to life in Division One. We'll be interested to see how that goes, but this is going to be interesting across the board. They're already getting some uh, some good basketball recruits. They're 6-3 and three right now this season. They've played some competitive games against some good teams. This is going. This is setting up to be, I'll be really interested to see where St. Thomas is in five years, ten years on the local sports landscape. I think it's going to be an interesting addition to things even once they get built up even more and already having a lot of success right now. That'll do it for today. We're going to talk to Marcus Fuller on a Thursday show, talk Gophers College basketball. Haven't talked much about the men's team yet this year. And, uh, you know, some of what they're trying to accomplish, big one coming up for them um, this weekend against Purdue, a very good team kicking off a Big Ten place. We'll see how that goes for the Gophers. We'll check in plenty with Marcus, who always uh, speaks really knowledgeably about that team. That'll do it for today. Like I said, back at it tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you then.